Come on, who's excited to be in church? Come on, who's got a whole lot to be thankful for? Amen. I'm thankful for I get to be part of the Cooper's College alumni. In 2012, I graduated from college, and it's been a crazy ride since then. But I'm also thankful for these guys put out an album. Come on, we're celebrating it. You know, in, in, in sending out albums, it's more than just another track. It's more than just another song. But it's the sending out of the sound of this house. And it's the sound of worship. It's the sound of victory. It's the sound of breakthrough. I, I remember early on when Equippers Revo first started putting out some tracks. Early on, in the early stages, we got, we got a message back. And what had happened is someone had shared it on Facebook and then a distant friend had gone and, and saw it and, and listened to it. They were far from church, they were far from God. But as they just played the track, they talked about how the presence of God just filled the room. And right where they are, they gave their life over to Jesus. It's more than a song. Come on, it's the sound of worship. Come on, it's the sound of breakthrough. Come on, we're believing that this album's going to fill households, it's going to fill cars, it's going to change lives. Amen? Amen. Come on, can we give God one more clap? Can we give the band a big hand? Well, you can grab a seat, grab a seat. It's good to be out here tonight. Who's feeling a little sweaty after that? Seven songs set. Come on, somebody. Something like seven songs on a Sunday. Starting to feel like an uprising in here. It's nice and sweaty, but hey, it's so good to have you out here. It's right if we pray, just before we dive into the Word real quick. God, we pray tonight. Lord, as we turn to your Word, we've got so much to give you thanks for. And God, your Word is definitely one of them. God, that it speaks to us, it brings life to us, it encourages us. And God, tonight, let it do exactly that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you're joining us for the first time tonight, perhaps, or maybe, maybe you haven't been in a couple of weeks, we've been opening up this it's an exciting season in the, part of our, in, in the life of our church. It's this whole season where, where we're just looking at Thanksgiving about what it means to be thankful. And, and really, Pastor Sam's uh, uh, opened up over the last couple of weeks. Incredibly, I encourage you to get podcasts. But one of the base scriptures we've just been looking at is found in uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.18. And it just says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for, that's God's, for this is God's will for you. To give thanks in all circumstances. And we've been on this incredible journey. And uh, as we've gone on this journey the last couple of weeks, even this, this week, I just found myself sitting at home going, God, I've got so much more to give you thanks than what I realize. Like I knew I had to be thankful. And I knew I had some things to be thankful for. But as we've gone on this journey of looking at God and everything He's done for us and all that thanks does for us, I've come to realize that we've got so much more so much more to be thankful than often what we realize. One thing we've come to realize is thanks is more than good manners. It's good, it's good manners to say thank you, but thanksgiving is so much bigger than that. Thanksgiving is so much better, so much bigger. In fact, I reckon these two words, the reason we're looking at this, this sea in this season is because if we could adopt these two words, the meaning, the weight of these two words, just thank you into our life. As you look through Scripture, you see the fact that these are powerful words. They're dynamic words. In fact, they're actually like a supernatural weapon in our life. That thanksgiving is actually like a weapon in whatever we're going through. And I just found myself sitting at home going, man, 
I don't have to look far to find reason to give thanks. Man, I don't have to look far around my world and say, God, I just thank you. I thank you I live in New Zealand. I thank you that, God, you chose, you, you destined me to be raised here. That's not my entitlement to be in New Zealand. And no, I'm raised in the greatest country in all of the world. There's so much to be thankful. Thankful for my job. Thankful for my family. Thankful for my wife. I don't know how I got her, so I'm thankful for it. I got so much to be thankful for. And you don't have to look far to actually, when you stop and think about it, to think, I've got so much to give God thanks for. But it's also so, so kind of crazy uh, when we stop and think about that because you start looking and think, man, there's so much I forget to give thanks for. Like, God, oh, there's so much I have, but so much I forget. And I'll say, you don't have to look far to give thanks for what God has done in your life. Like, I give thanks that I get to go to work. You know, some of us just like, we, it's easy to complain about work. Work's a good one to start with. It's an easy thing to complain. Oh, I have to go to work. Oh, tomorrow morning, I have to go and do this. Do you, know, do you know the real truth is? You don't have to go to work. I'm going to let you in on a secret. You don't have to go to work. Like, you don't have to get money. You don't have to pay your bills. You don't have to live in a house. You don't have to have food. You don't have to. But you get to go to work. So you get to provide food. So you get to have a roof over your house. You don't have to study. You don't have to get educated. You don't have to have a career. You don't have to. But we get to. I get to go to uni. I get to pursue this study. I get to pursue this career. I get to see God do great things in my life. And we're looking because especially in our generation, is the fact that we take things for we take things as like Sam said this morning of your hair. We're so entitled in so many things we don't even realize it. Oh, I have to go to work. No, just you don't have to have a house. That's, your, that's a blessing of God. You have a job. As a blessing of God, you get to work. And we've been looking at the, the series, and, and and the danger for me is is I'm a really good like drive-by thinker. Like, I'm really good at just walking past, thanks, man, awesome, and carry on. And like, I'm really good at just drive-by thanking, thank, thanks. Oh, that's awesome, thanks. When, in the morning, just before, I have to run out the door, thanks, God. And I love this season is because what we're doing is we're taking a moment not to just drive-by thank God. But because it's different, like with my wife, I, you know, it's, I, thanks. It's, it's important to say thanks when she makes meals. Thanks when she does stuff. Thanks, thanks. But there's times that, and I've got to get better of this, there's, there's times when you actually got to stop and just say, I thank you. And it has a whole nother meaning when you don't just drive by it, but you stop and intentionally say, man, I give you thanks. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be a drive-by thanker when it comes to God. Oh, yes, the two praise songs, I'll give some thanks. And let's drive on. I wonder what for dinner tonight. No, but there's a moment when you've got to stop and actually give God thanks. There's a moment where you've got to stop and just say, God, for all you are, for all you've done, for, for everything, God, I just acknowledge in this moment, I thank you. I thank you for everything, the good times, the hard times, the times when I understand and the times... When I don't understand, God, I thank you. And as you look through scriptures, you got to ask yourself, well, really, what's the standard of thanks for a Christian? What's the standard of thanks for a believer? Like, I have to give thanks in all things. Well, what's the, surely there's a standard to that. Surely there's a level where all things but 
All they know. But, but as you look in the Scripture, I've looked at this before, but I want to look at it again tonight. In Acts 5, verse 40 to 42, there's a moment when the disciples are before the council because they've been, uh, they've been beaten because of sharing the gospel. They're just out there trying to do the will of the Lord. People arrest them and beat them. In fact, they were arrested because they healed a man. And in Acts 5, verse 40, I don't know if we can have that on the screen. We're working back there. There we go. It talks about how one of the, his, his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and then had them flogged. Then they ordered them to not speak the name of Jesus and let them go. As the apostles left the Sanhedrin, this is a crazy thing. They left what? Rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to suffer disgrace in the name of Jesus. That is a civil defense test right now. You have your phones going off. Uh, it's because they're testing us. If there was a danger, don't worry. There's no emergency here. And we'll stop in a second. There we go, team. Back in, back in. All right, we would have all been safe. Oh, no, it's still going. Someone's still going. So Samsung's a little slow. All right, it's just coming through. So, and in about five minutes, the Nokia's will turn on. And uh, <laughs> I have a go, and uh, the rest of you probably won't even get it. Uh, <laughs> you'll realize once the building's fallen down. All right, and, but you have this moment when the, when the, when the apostles are just beaten for the sake of the fact they just healed a man. Like they did a good work for the Lord. And they get born, they get beaten, but how do they leave? Not like, oh man, we are so wrongly done by, oh man, they're so. No, they leave what? Rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering. They, were, they, were, they rejoiced that they could suffer. They rejoiced in the fact that they haven't even been counted worthy to be beaten for the name of Jesus. And I remember reading this and going, man, oh, i got to lift my standard on thanks. I don't know the last time someone punched me in the face and I was like, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know if I'm that good of a Christian yet. I'll get there. Maybe second year Bible college might help. But they leave rejoicing, rejoicing. Rejoicing because they've been counted worthy. They leave the room going, is there not a reason to praise God here? Is there not a reason to rejoice? Why? Because what they had in them far outweighed what was going on around them. The fact Jesus was alive in them, they're like, I don't care what happens around me. What I've got in me, that's worth praising. Because what I got in me tips the scale towards thanks, regardless of what's on the other side of the scale. What I got in me tips the scale towards rejoicing. Because they realized what they had in them. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, they didn't deserve it, but God, by His grace, gave it. They acknowledged it and rejoiced because of what was in them. Their standard of praise came from a different place. It wasn't, it wasn't determined by what was around them. In fact, temporary situations never shifted them because their thanks didn't come from a situation. It came from the fact that the most realest thing in their life was the fact I'm saved. You know, some people often moan and grumble and they're just like, I'm just being real. Like, I'm just being real with life. Well, the realest thing I know is the love and hope of Jesus. 
The only thing that's going to last eternity is faith, hope, and love. So the realest thing in my world is love, hope, and faith in my life towards Jesus. So if I want to be real, being really real means rejoicing because God is with you forever and ever. Ever and ever. They were real about their situation. And what it left them in was, oh yeah, no. That's where that beating, like those lashes, that's going to hurt. Like when I have a shower, that's going to sting. But it's worth rejoicing over. They rejoiced over. I, I, I remember, like, you look at this situation, and in this moment, they've, they've determined their attitude. They've just gone, in all things, we're going to give thanks. They've just determined. Hey, I, I remember a couple of years, uh, last year, about this time, this is the time where the shopping malls go crazy because of Christmas, and, uh, and there's a lot of people like me that just hang out to the 23rd, uh, and I go to walk out, and then my wife saved me by going, I knew you were going to forget, so I bought everyone presents already. And thank you, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> But I remember going to the shopping mall and I was driving through. I, I can't stand the shopping mall at the best of times. Like when it's the quietest, it still stresses me out. And uh, I'm driving through and it's hectic. And there's a guy in front of me and he goes to pull into this car park. Someone's backing out and he goes to pull in the car park. Someone coming from the other way, you didn't see him. And so they indicate. And you ever gone into an argument like determining your attitude? The guy like goes to pull in and they like both try and get into the same at the same time, and the guy that was indicating first rolled down the window, and it's just like angry, like he had determined, I'm going to be angry right now, and, and he rolls down the window and goes, oh, that's where I'm going to park, and just loses his mind, and the person in the other car was just like, oh, sorry, mate, didn't see you, I'll back out, it's all good, and, and, and because this guy had already determined, like his attitude, like I'm angry, he like, he couldn't change his attitude, because that would have just been awkward, so he's like, wow, thank you, and drove on in. He's like, I gotta keep my attitude right. I don't want to look like like I'm just a weirdo. So he was like, Wow, thank you very much. And drove in, got out of his car, stormed off. In his mind, he's like, Oh, thanks. Each. But he's like trying to keep his attitude. And I wonder, like, like sometimes you have that of arguments different people. You go on with an attitude. You're like, oh, I knew you always do this, and they're like, Yeah, I'm really sorry. And you're like, Yeah, that's right. And I'm gonna storm off because I'm committed to this attitude. And I wonder when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to Christ, when it comes to thanksgiving, if we could just determine, ah, oh, no, my attitude's thanks. My attitude is gratitude. My attitude is to lift up the name of Jesus. So like these apostles, Paul and Silas sitting in prison, they're like, oh, yeah, we determined our attitude before we got here. It's thanksgiving. It's to lift up and worship the King of Kings. So the situation around them didn't determine their attitude. What they knew to be real in their heart determined their thanksgiving. They determined there's power and thanks. Tonight, I quickly want to look at three quick passages because even Jesus understood his power and thanks. In Matthew 14, we find this first passage. I need this on the screen if we can come. Matthew 14, this is the moment when Jesus, just before Jesus feeds the 5,000, just in the midst of, of great lack and in, in the face of great need, Jesus feeds, he, he takes what they have taking the five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. If we go to the next passage, we find Jesus again. This is Jesus when Lazarus was dead. It talks about early on that Jesus had just wept. And Jesus turns up to the grave. And, and, and here we have it. It says, and then Jesus looked up to his father. Lazarus was still dead in the grave and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. The next passage 
in Matthew, this is right before Jesus, this is the Last Supper, before Jesus is about to go on to be beaten, to be betrayed, and ultimately hung on the cross. The night before, wasn't filled with mourning. He, he wasn't filled with, with any other feeling than this. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread and, and had given thanks. He broke it. Then he took a cup, a cup, took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. You see, in these three situations, in the facing of great lack, in the facing of, of just a, a relational hard moment when someone's dead, and in the face of his own betrayal, hurt, and death, Jesus took time to stop and give thanks. He took a moment because he understood if I can give thanks, it can unlock something in heaven. Before I hand this bread out, if I give thanks for it, if I take the little I do have, I know I need a lot more. Some of you right now are like, I just need a lot more of God. I just need God to move in great ways. I'm just in need of more in God. Well, for Jesus, where did it start in this situation? Just taking what he did have. And God, I thank you for this. And I know you're going to do something with it. His friend's dead in a grave four days. They were afraid to roll away the stone because it was going to smell. Even Jesus don't like bad smells. It's just nobody does, really. It's not something to be thankful for. And in that moment, he stops and goes, God, I'm thankful that you hear me. On the eve of his death, he stopped and said, God, I, I give thanks for my blood and my flesh that are about to be broken. God, I give you thanks. See, he understood that thanksgiving unlocks something in heaven. I'm sure it's not always easy, but thanksgiving is always necessary. It's always necessary. You see, talk growing up, just this is what I want to talk about tonight. When I was taught growing up, and a lot of you were taught growing up, I imagine is you taught good manners. Good manners is please and thank yous. You're taught your please and thank yous as a kid. You need to learn your please and thank yous. And, and what, what really, that's probably for a lot of us where this word thank you entered into our vocabulary. We're entered into our life and how we, how, we, how we got taught to think about this word thank you was your please and thank yous. So you gave thanks upon receiving. I get, so I give thanks. That's how we were taught at a young age how thanksgiving works. Very different to what we see in the Bible. Very different to how the Bible talks about thanksgiving. It's taught about receiving, but thanksgiving is still about receiving. You see, thanksgiving helps you to fully see everything God's given you. I, I don't so much probably need more of God. I probably just need to recognize more of God that He's already given me. I probably don't ask any more miracles. I just need to recognize the miracles God's doing. I wonder if perhaps God's more active and working on your behalf than you even realize right now. I wonder if God's more on the move. You and I both know you're not smart enough for that job. God was on the move then. You and I both know you shouldn't have made it through that study. God was on the move then. They shouldn't have let you in. God was on the move then. You weren't smart enough to find this community on your own. God was on the move then. I've come to realize that God's probably more on the move in my life than I even realize. And it's thanksgiving. It's thanksgiving that reminds me of that, reminds me of what I've seen. I, I'm often challenged when I see someone more joyful with less. 
when I see someone more joyful with less. That out of the little they have, they can they get that much joy from God. And God, look at all I've got. And man, perhaps I need to get more of what they got. Not more stuff, not more things, not even more of you. Just more realization of what I've got. What I've got. See, there's this moment, though, in Psalm 106 where where we see this thing happen, you see, because I think the lack of thanksgiving is probably largely, a lot of it's due to the lack of perspective. Like, it's my lack of perspective. So, like, I don't see God moving the way I thought God was going to move, so therefore I determine God's not moving. No, perhaps God could be moving, you just don't see how God is moving. And so perspective helps you to see God's plan at work. And it's thanksgiving that helps us develop that perspective. But you see this in Psalm 106, if we can bring it up, starting in verse 9. This is the psalm, go with this. It talks about how he rebuked the sea, dried it up, then he led them through the depths of the desert. He, he took them out of the hands of the enemy. He redeemed them. The waters covered their enemy enemy. He wiped them out. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise, but soon forgot all he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. And the space of this little psalm, it just sums up a whole group of people. God did great things. Oh, I remember when God did this. I remember when God moved. I remember what God in my life. And then very soon, I forgot. And then very soon, I forgot about God's plan. And then very soon, I started complaining. It's like I got into this job and it started rejoicing because it was a miracle I got it. But it's like three months now and it's kind of get a bit tired and old, so now I start complaining about it. It's like God moved, but I forgot. God does something, but I've, and thanksgiving helps us to remember what God has done. But the reason we need to remember what God has done, because if we would remember what God has done in our life, it gives us faith for what God is doing in our life. It talks about how they soon forgot, and then they did not wait. They soon forgot, and then they lost faith. They soon forgot and lost faith in the plan of God. But if you would remember what God has done, it would develop the faith for what God is going to do. You see, sometimes I fall in the danger of, of, of judging the success of God on my plan for my life. I, I, I fall into this trap. But thanksgiving positions my heart with the right perspective to perceive what God is doing around me. It's thanksgiving that gives me the perspective, and it's perspective that helps me see. Frank, could God be doing more right now than you even realize? At work, more right now than you even know. And then, because it's our constant thanks that reminds us of His constant faithfulness. So we know that thanks is about receiving, but one thing we're not really taught young is, is that thanks is also about entering in. Thanks is actually about stepping into something. You see, in Scripture, in the Psalms, it even says He inhabits the praise of His people. The famous Scripture, we, come, we enter with thanksgiving. We come into His courts with praise. We enter with thanksgiving. Where's the presence of God found wherever our voice of thanks is? 
Because where our voice of thanks is, He inhabits that environment. You want more of the presence of God alive in you. You want more of the presence of God alive in your family, alive in your environments, alive in your world. He inhabits the place where thanks is found. Where the voice of thanks is, so is His presence. He inhabits it. It causes us to step into, there's a story in the Bible where it talks about a king, Jehoshaphat. And there's this moment where he had gone to try and defeat an army on his own, had failed. And then time goes on and he goes to defeat an army again. The first time he went in his own strength. The first time he didn't obey and follow what the word of the Lord was saying. But the second time he went, he went with a different spirit. He said, after consulting people, he appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise Him for His splendor and His holiness as they went out ahead of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. you got a king standing in the midst of great pressure. A whole army's coming towards them. And his response is, well, the only way we can win is if the presence of the Lord is upon us. And so if we would send some people, if we would send thanks first, his presence would enter. It's, it's, it's thanksgiving that enables us to step into everything God has for us. It enables us to take a hold of and actually move towards, move into but as powerful as thanks is, if you look in the Bible, also as destructive as grumbling is. You see in 1 Corinthians in 10, uh, verse 10, uh, chapter 10, sorry, here's this moment where Paul's writing to the people, and uh, he's, what he's, he's writing to them to give them lessons from Israel's past. So he's like, hey, from everything we've learned, from those who have gone before us. Here's some key lessons we can pull from it. And in 1 Corinthians 10, it talks about this. He talks about first, he says, do not be adulterers. Next, he says, do not commit sexual immorality. Then next, he says, we should not test Christ. And then the fourth thing he says, and do not grumble. On the same passage, in the same moment where he talks about sexual immorality, where he talks about don't be adulterers, don't put Christ to test, he puts grumbling right in there in the midst of it. He says that there's something we can learn. Here's four things we can learn that send them off the wrong way. Idolatry, sexual immorality, testing God, and grumbling. In fact, grumbling isn't just a like nasty habit, it's actually a sin in the eyes of the Bible, in the eyes of what God does. Do not grumble and then it says, and they were killed and destroyed by an angel. That's all we can learn about grumbling. You determine how you want to deal with that. As powerful as Thanksgiving is, as destructive as grumbling can be. This, we look at the Israelites and we see that it was actually a lot of their grumbling that caused them not to enter. And in hindsight, we're like, man, they're stupid. Like, did they not know that God was with them? Well, hindsight's a beautiful thing. Like, in hindsight, everything's real clear. Like, I remember being like year eight at school, 
and it was cross country just as we finished off. And, and what's happening, what happened is we all had like houses, kind of like tries we do at youth, and everyone would get in their colors and everything. And it was year eight, and I went to like a rural school at the time in my year eight year, and we're walking past the like the, the caretaker's shed, and I didn't really bring anything for athletics. My color, the color of my house was blue, and we're walking past the shed, and I see blue spray paint. I'm like, oh, that's an awesome idea. And so we, me and my mate gets a spray can and he spray and he sprays out here, just all like bright blue. And we just spray and we go out and we're like, this is an awesome idea. What we didn't realize about that type of spray can is anyone that's ever been near a farm will know, it was tail paint. That's what you spray cows and stuff with and it's designed to not come out. Like it's designed to not, and so I'd sprayed my hair with tailbane. And I had this bright blue hair, and it was just awful. Like, I didn't do that well with good-looking hair. Well, blue hair, my life gets a whole lot harder. And as a year eight, at the time, I was like, this is awesome. In hindsight, that was a stupid idea. That's what hindsight does. And we look at Peter in the Bible who denied Jesus. In hindsight, we're like, what an idiot. Try to put yourself right there. The guy you put all your hope in is just about to be hung on a cross. You thought he was the Savior, and now man's going to kill him. And we look at the Israelites. Oh, man, they, they, if they just believed and not grumbled. Well, I wonder in 10 years' time what hindsight's going to tell us about now. Oh, you know what I was grumbling about? If I had just believed and not grumbled. If I actually had it just given thanks, I've come to realize everything in hindsight that God's done for my life, every time I've gone through a hard situation, in hindsight, to be honest, it all comes out to be good. In hindsight, it all works out to be good. So I've got to understand the things I'm going through right now, if I would not grumble but give thanks, the hindsight of this situation will not be, if I just, I would have. It would be, God, I give you thanks that you did this in my world. You did this in my life. Because it's thanksgiving that enables us to step into, to take hold of, And if some disciples can get beaten and look at that situation and go right in the midst of it, yeah, this is a good time to give praise. I'm like, yeah, perhaps my standard of thanksgiving could grow. Perhaps there's more I have to be thankful for. Perhaps there's more I could do. And if we would be thankful, we could see God do a great thing amongst us. This whole series is not just because it's November, as we seem to do it every November. This whole series is to teach us that thank you is more than good manners. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And if we would grasp it, God could do great things in our world because He inhabits the place where the voice of thanks is. You want more God in your world? It starts with thanks. It starts with giving thanks. We don't give thanks to manipulate God. We give thanks because He deserves it. He's worthy of it. The Bible tells us to ascribe glory to Him, all that He deserves. And tonight, why don't we jump to our feet? You know, in my life, I want to I wanna do my best at determining Whatever comes my way, my attitude is thanks. Like the guy in the car park. 
I'm just going to stick with this angry attitude even though it's a really good situation <laughs> and storm off. Well, as Christians, we really should be that a bit like God. I'm going to stick with this attitude of thanksgiving. Even though right now it seems hard and difficult, I'm going to stick with it. Why? Because I know the realest thing in my life is that God is faithful. God is good. God will come through. It will work out. I don't make sense right now, but God will come through for me. So my attitude is just going to remain thanksgiving. Come on, why don't you lift your hands towards God? Come on, right now. Come on, perhaps there is even an area in your life you identify with that you've been grumbling about. I don't think giving criticism is a bad thing, but before you give criticism, I encourage you to take a moment, give thanks for something in that situation. It might not change the criticism, but it will change the spirit you deliver it in. And right now there's things in your world and you're just like, I've been like grumbling has, like negativity is quite contagious. And you just feel like there's been grumbling and negativity. And tonight you realize, I've got to turn this into thanks because I want to enter everything God has for me. I want to enter the promise He has for me. In hindsight, I'm going to look back and say, I'm thankful I gave thanks right there and then. Come on, just with your own mouth. Come on, can you just start to give thanks to Jesus right now? Come on, can you just start to lift His thanks? Start to lift praises towards Him. Come on, just let thanksgiving go. Come on, just let thanksgiving go in this place. So much to give thanks. 